This is a GRDC podcast. Here in Bort, Victoria, grower Giles Cunningham and consultant Amy Fay are out in flowering canola. Yeah, we're monitoring fortnightly at the moment. It's a dry, still spring morning. So conditions are perfect for monitoring diamondback moth larvae numbers. We've got to take five different samples, so why don't we start here and we'll work back that way across the paddock. Could you pass me the sweep net, please, Amy? They're following the sweep net instructions in the Diamondback Moth Best Management Practice Guide, a snapshot-style resource packed with useful integrated pest management information, or IPM, specific to Diamondback Moth in canola. I'm Hilary Sims, and in this podcast, we explore the contents of this guide. From understanding the factors of diamondback moth outbreaks to effective and sustainable control options to deal with this significant industry pest. Joining me is an expert on this topic, Dr. Kim Perry. He's an entomologist from the South Australian Research and Development Institute, SADI, the research division of Primary Industries and Regions South Australia. Interestingly, diamondback moth is actually considered an induced pest around the world. And that means that it really wasn't a problem before the introduction of synthetic broad-spectrum insecticides in the 1960s and 1970s. Since that's happened, diamondback moth has all of a sudden become a massive problem. And the theory is that it really is the destruction of natural enemies that's caused diamondback moth to, uh, to become such a widespread issue. Diamondback moth has developed resistance to more than 80 insecticides, highlighting the need for strategic and proactive IPM approaches. So IPM means that uh, we're trying to reduce pesticide use and keep it to the times when we need to use our insecticides and also encourage uh, natural enemies. So reducing pesticide use has a couple of benefits. One is that we slow down the evolution of resistance And the other is that we minimise the destruction of natural enemies, which can otherwise play a very important role keeping diamondback moth populations in check. So what does an IPM strategy look like for diamondback moth? Well, Kim starts off by flagging the pre-season conditions that are known to contribute to outbreaks. Predicting DBM outbreaks is still quite difficult, but we do think pre-season numbers contribute to uh, higher outbreak potential. So really, just to be aware of the risk. Firstly, consider the region that you're in. Do you have large reservoirs of summer active uh, brassica plants within 50 to 100 kilometres of your property? Do you commonly have diamondback moth problems in spring? So that'll tell you if you're in a higher risk region for diamondback moth generally. Then consider the season. Was there rainfall leading to a continuous brassica green bridge during March and April? If so, then the chances are you might have reasonably high DBM numbers early in the year. And you may start to notice some DBM damage occurring in young canola crops. And uh, if so, that just gives you a clue that you might have more DBM than normal heading into winter and spring. And that just becomes a signal for you to be uh, prepared in advance. So if a grower assesses their situation and thinks the risk is high coming into a cropping season, what actions do you suggest they take? If you do think the risk is higher than normal, there are some actions that you can take to get prepared. Those will include planning to start your spring monitoring program perhaps a little bit earlier, 
So rather than starting in, in late winter, you might start more like midwinter. Uh, and the second thing is to talk to your chemical resellers about whether they're going to have adequate stocks of the insecticides that you might need to use if there is a problem in the spring. Just keep in mind that the insecticides that are used for diamondback moth control that are effective, such as Affirm, Success Neo and BT, those insecticides are not commonly used for control of other pests. So there may not be large stocks of it sitting around in resellers' offices. So you just need to be having this discussion with your resellers up front in a higher risk season. You just mentioned the spring monitoring program. So let's talk through that in a bit more detail. Tell me about the role and the importance of monitoring for this pest. The key to managing diamondback moth is continually assessing the risk. So we know that under the right conditions, diamondback moth populations can build extremely quickly. And and so we generally recommend monitoring at about fortnightly intervals. You're not just looking at the numbers, you're looking at the trends in the population and also the weather forecast. So if it looks like your numbers are increasing quite quickly and there's a warmer, drier forecast ahead, then you might expect um, even more rapid buildup and you should factor that into your control decisions. Um, sometimes the risk is quite low and, and you'll realise that All I need to do is keep monitoring. There's no need to take any action at this point. But as long as we're um, assessing the risk regularly, then uh, no one will be surprised and we'll be able to prepare early enough to take action as we need to. And what equipment is needed to do this properly? So the standard method used is a sweet net. And the way to do that is to take samples of 10 sweet net counts The best way to do it is to start from the crop edge and walk 10 or 20 metres into the crop to get your 10 sweeps and then tip the sample out into a tray and count the number of larvae. Here, I've cleared a bit of space up on the tray here. Do you want to bring the net over and we'll have a look what's in it? Do this in five locations across the paddock to give you an idea of what the population is like and then apply economic thresholds, use those to make decisions about spraying, factoring in the weather forecast as well. Now, the economic thresholds are explained in detail in the Best Management Practice Guide, but give me the general rundown on what the thresholds are. We know that diamondback moth larvae feeding on terminal flowering buds in midwinter can cause significant damage. There aren't established thresholds around that time of the season, However, through the pre-flowering period, we would recommend around 30 to 50 larvae per 10 sweeps would be a good guide for control. As you get further into uh, flowering and late flowering, the thresholds increase to 100 to 200 larvae per 10 sweeps. And the reason the numbers increase is that uh, the, the amount of damage or the impact of DBM feeding on the crop tends to decrease as you get closer to maturity. All right, that's the fifth one done. I'm just writing down these results, but it looks like you're right on the economic threshold. Yeah, it looks like we've increased quite quickly, so I'll probably have to give the the agronomist a call and, and make a plan from here. So if the economic threshold is met and spraying is warranted, Kim has some considerations growers should weigh up before making any chemical decisions. Consider how stressed the crop is. 
Um, if the crop has plenty of moisture and is able to compensate, then you might hold off a spray uh, until DVM larvae get to a higher number. We know that canola is generally pretty good at compensating for damage. However, if the crops are quite stressed, then, uh, and the weather forecast is for warm and dry conditions, then you might decide to spray DVM slightly earlier than, uh, than you otherwise would. Also consider the time to harvest. So most of these diamondback moth insecticides have a 14 day withholding period prior to harvest and windrowing is included as harvest. So you really need to make your last decision more than two weeks out from harvest. And how can growers ensure that their insecticide application is effective and helping to reduce that resistance pressure? Recognise that coverage is a challenge in heavier crop canopies. Um, the DBM larvae can be distributed all the way vertically through the canopy. Also, diamondback moth has overlapping generations. And this means that you'll have larvae, you'll have pupae and eggs in a crop at any one time. These insecticides will generally only control the larvae and particularly the smaller sized larvae. So if you have lots of diamondback moth, you may need to consider a two spray strategy, uh, seven days apart. We'd also recommend really considering BT as an option as part of a, an insecticide rotation. Um, particularly in the earlier spring, coverage is less of an issue because the canopy is not so developed and there's also less UV exposure than at later times in the spring. So moving on from insecticides, are there any cultural practices that can help minimise the impact of diamondback moth? Within a growing season, there aren't really any cultural practices you can do. The decisions are whether or not to use an insecticide and which ones to use if you do need them. Between growing seasons, cultural controls for diamondback moth are somewhat limited. Weed control is the number one cultural control. Because it's such a highly mobile insect, weed control ideally needs to happen area-wide or even region-wide to make a significant impact on diamondback moth populations. We know that's not always practical. Therefore, we emphasise more understanding the risk posed by the green bridge for this insect. If you are growing summer forage brassicas or spring-sown canola varieties, they can be heavily attacked in some years during spring and summer. And if so, grazing management is a very good control strategy that can complement insecticide use and reduce the number of applications you may need to make. So we've certainly covered a lot of content today that's included in the Best Management Practice Guide. And Kim, you helped create this resource. So tell me a bit about it and how you want growers to use it. This guide is designed to be a distillation of the important bits of information that you need to manage diamondback moth. Uh, it contains some information on basic biology. It contains a table on risk assessment that helps you to understand what the seasonal risk might be. It contains information on chemical selection and insecticide resistance management, and also how to rotate your insecticides to, to help reduce the evolution of resistance. So the key decision points are in this guide and should make it easy for you to, uh, to decide what to do. And just finally, Kim, are you optimistic about growers' capacity to control diamondback moth and the, the gains that are being made in terms of its management? Definitely. Growers are excellent IPM practitioners and lots of growers are already doing lots of IPM. 
With Diamond Bat Moth, I think the key improvements that we can make, just being better at assessing the risk and in that sense, being able to plan ahead more effectively. So making sure we've got enough pesticide on hand when we need it, and there are enough stocks at the local reseller and taking earlier intervention in higher risk years and also understanding when the risk is low and it's better not to use any insecticides. That was Saudi entomologist Dr Kim Perry and he was sharing the latest insight on Diamondback Moth integrated pest management options. This podcast is part of a mini-series exploring proactive management strategies for diamondback moth, green peach aphid and red-legged earth mite. It's all part of a wider GRDC investment on supporting the sustainable use of insecticides and IPM strategies for the southern region. A link to the diamondback moth best management practice guide and other useful resources can be found in the description box of this podcast or online at grdc.com.au. I'm Hilary Sims, and thanks for listening.